Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Amen. If you can stand with me tonight, we're glad that you're here taking time out of your life your schedule amen to be in God's house I thought we'd just have probably people come in not normally here with the old vehicle out someone probably thought we was having an old car show or something going on with that out there uh, but maybe maybe they'll, they'll be here just a little bit or they might be standing out there gawking you know that might be what it is um, and such so but we're glad to have you glad to have Glenna with us tonight Amen. And each one, each one. Going to turn to 1 Samuel. I'm stuck in Samuel, folks. 1 Samuel chapter number 3. I probably, out of four sermons, probably I've preached in the last four times, I've preached three times out of the book of Samuel. And we're not done. And I'm not in a series. Easy, folks. Easy. Amen. I do covet your prayers. We do camp meeting this week in Kentucky and pray that the Lord would help my voice all summer. All right? All summer. Because whenever you preach a lot of nights in a row, temperatures are different, atmospheres are different, allergies, different places are different. Uh, sometimes you're staying in places where there's mold and mildew. It's getting real. So it, it's all there. Amen. And so I, please, if anything, pray for my because there's nothing that aggravates me more than not having the power voice that I want to use. It's kind of like years ago, whenever I was a young boy and Brother Mason and I were younger men and we did preaching at camp meeting stuff and we did stuff like tag team preaching after camp services at night. And you've already screamed and hollered and everything else. And so we up there doing that stuff. And I remember being, I was a young boy. I really was uh, doing that. And I'm, I don't even remember what I was supposed to be preaching. But I just remember I said something one time. It was like, and nothing because my voice was so far gone. And uh, so we don't want that. Don't want that scenario. Amen. So my kids are saying like, yeah, that'd be great. Postable moment and have it up in memories every year. That's all right. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. The Bible says, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious, or it was rare in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place. And his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. This, this is not the description of a man that's just fallen asleep here, okay? This is the description of a man whose literal eyes, his vision is not what it once was. And ere the lamp of God went out, most translations have it that before it went out or it was still burning and not out yet. But ere the, the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was and Samuel was laid down to sleep, the Lord called Samuel and he answered, Here am I. Verse 10 some things that take place and happen and the Lord then the Bible says and the Lord came and stood and called as at other times Samuel Samuel then Samuel answered speak for thy servant heareth the Bible describes this Samuel in scripture describes him as a boy some places as a child but there's one word in particular that describes him as a boy that can just run the gamut of description. It's kind of a, a broad term. I know we think of boy and we're thinking about some little kid and stuff, but the terminology of the boy can actually run from an infant baby to a young boy to a boy that is of marriageable age or it could be a servant. It's definitely someone that is not an elder, but it can run a gamut. 
Josephus, a historian, even says that at this time that Samuel was probably around the age around 12 years old. For a little while tonight, and you just keep your hand there on Samuel. We're going to spend some time with him. I'm going to minister this. Light at evening time. Light at evening time. Hallelujah. Let's ask the Lord's help tonight. We need you, God. God, we can come together and we can raise hands and we can sing songs and we can, Lord, have oratory, Lord, speeches. But God, if we have not your anointing, God, it falls, Lord Jesus, God, upon ears that cannot hear. And if we have not your anointing, God, the, the effectiveness, Lord, of it, God, is really, Lord Jesus, rare. And it's really, Lord, not effective. I pray, oh God, tonight we need the help of the Holy Ghost in this place. God, touch us anew and afresh, God, by your spirit. And you're able to speak, Lord God, truth into our hearts and lives. God, and will not fail to thank you for it. In the name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen to the church. Say amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. At this particular juncture in the scripture of this boy or this young lad, Samuel, this, this occurrence at the house of God wasn't his first occurrence at the house of God. This, this happening, this what is taking place here and what is described, him being in and around the temple was not uh, his first experience of being around the temple. For that matter, we know from the story in Scripture, and we preached along the lines not long ago of his mother that had made petition at the house of God as they went up yearly and that she desired of the Lord that he would open her barren womb where she could have a child. And the answer to that prayer was Samuel. And she had made a vow unto God. She had made a pact with God that if you'll give me this child, if you'll allow me to give birth to this child, then I will return him to you and I'll dedicate him to you all the days of his life. And it is really a passage of scripture where we get much of the premise of child dedications and baby dedications where we are returning children that people have had at young ages back to the Lord, that they will be lent to the Lord and used for the Lord's purposes all the days of their life. And it seems very very fitting seems very fitting in scripture that Hannah would take that same boy which was a result uh, answer to prayer that she had in the temple it would seem fitting that she would take that same child that she pled for at God's house and take him back to God's house to return him to the house of the Lord for the Lord to use him for whatever pleasure or whatever he would design for his life having waited of course the Bible says in the first chapter of Samuel having waited until Samuel Samuel was weaned, which was around about three years old. After that, he was weaned. The Bible says that she would take that boy to the house of the Lord and he would dedicate him there. But this trip, you must understand, was unlike any other parent that was taking their child to the house of the Lord. Amen. This trip that she was making, it wasn't her just like we gathering our kids together and we're going to church and come on, you got your shoes on, make sure you brush your teeth, get your hair combed and we're all loading up in the family caravan, bless God, and we're going to the house of God to worship. It's not like that. And the only reason why her trip is unlike any other trip is because the only reason Hannah waited until Samuel was weaned to go to the Lord's house is because whenever she took him there, he was going there to live there forever whenever she took Samuel there she would leave him there and so uh, we cannot use this verse tonight no parent no mom and dad can use this verse as being prescriptive and saying well we got to wait till our babies get weaned and they get older and then we'll take no no that's not the the prescription of this verse of scripture this story here is this is that there was a mother that nurtured her child that taught her child all that she could and as long as she could in her home until there were other things that he needed that superseded her ability and her expertise at the house. In other words, what it meant, she needed God's house to be a part of the process of the tutelage and the learning and the tutoring of this boy. She could give as much as she give and as much as she could offer, but there were some things that only God's house could give him. 
purchase some things only God's house could give him. We're not going to overlook. We're not going to discount all those preparatory years that that child spent with Hannah. Those were good. Those were notable. Some vital things that Samuel needed in his life. Amen. No doubt he found there in the arms of his mother. Amen. But they cannot completely be provided for him without the assistance of God's house in his life. This young child, when he went to the temple, there was some things that he would witness there that he wouldn't witness anywhere else. There were some things that he would be exposed to there he would not be exposed to anywhere else. You can read in your Bibles tonight in 2 Samuel or 1 Samuel chapter number uh, 1 and chapter number 2. You can read the story that whenever Samuel went on his first trip to God's house, the Bible said his mother and his father came into the house of God and they, they, they had a bullock that was going to be slayed in the house of God and it was going to be sacrificed in the house of God. He couldn't experience that particular thing at home. Those things had to be done at God's house. And so he seen his parents take bullocks from their pasture and bullocks from flocks that they had and he seen them go to the house of God and they left that bullock there because they slayed that bullock and they killed that bullock and they offered it up. He couldn't experience that at home. He had to experience that at the house of God. It was at the house of God that he witnessed his own mother and father offering up a sacrifice unto the Lord. Amen. He needed God's house. He needed to stand there as they stood before Eli and Hannah spoke to Eli and said, remember me? I was the lady that was praying a few years ago about having a son. I stood here praying and God answered my prayer. Furthermore, this child beside me is the answer to my prayer. That boy needed to hear a mother that said, you know what? I prayed unto the Lord and the Lord heard my prayer. He needed to hear a mother. Amen. And be able to testify that God is not just a hearer of prayers, but God is a answerer of prayers. That boy needed to understand that he had been loved and he had been handled by the hands of a mother and a father that were bent on returning him to the house of God. He needed to hear. This is what she said in his presence. She said, as long as he lives, he belongs unto the Lord. That boy needed to hear at the house of God from his parents that as long as he lived, he belonged to God. Why are you saying that, Brother McGee? Because in an hour in which we live in a generation of kids and youth of this experience of this generation that are being told that they're stupid, that's being told that they're unwanted, that's being told that they're more trouble than they're worth, that's being told they take too much time and too much money. Amen. There needs to be a generation that will be able to rise up knowing as long as they live, they belong unto the Lord in spite of what society says, in spite of what even some of their own parents say they need to have the privilege of knowing that they ultimately belong to the Lord all the days of their life amen and then there's something that's not magical but it's it's the way that it happens when you dedicate them to the Lord. The Bible says in 2 Samuel 1 and verse 28, notice the words, therefore Hannah says, also have I lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And the Bible says, and he worshiped the Lord there. I know we see it all the time, but what we have here is a three-year-old Samuel that's just witnessed his parents' sacrifice. That's just witnessed his mom saying, God answered prayer. That just witnessed that, you know what, I belong to the Lord all the days of my life. And a three-year-old toddler at that moment in time, the Bible says, he worshiped the Lord. Right there in God's house. Right there where the sacrifice was made. Right there where he heard that God answered the prayer of his parents. Right there where he heard that he, he belonged to someone. That he was important to someone. That he was meaningful to someone. He worshiped the Lord. Someone say amen. 
The reason why I say that's important because I know there are certain times here around the church we have more toddlers sometimes and there's other toddlers, amen, that's on the way. We get the two-year-olds and the three-year-olds and I understand it can get chaotic around here sometimes. I understand they're going this way and that way and twirling and doing this and doing that and I understand we gotta keep a certain sense of order and a certain sense of decorum and all of that but at the same time, but at the same time, I want that two-year-old and that three-year-old to feel free to clap their hands. I want them to feel free to jump up and down. I want them to twirl in circles. I want them to come to the altar during songs and when songs are finished. Why? Because when they do that, they are expressing, hear me, they are expressing all about something they don't totally yet understand. There's an excitement and an awe about their surroundings and where they are and what they're feeling and what they're experiencing. And if I can take that at a three-year-old and cultivate that and hone that and direct that, maybe as a teenager, they'll still go to the altar. They'll still clap their hands. They'll still jump and twirl. Some would say yes. Amen. They're expressing some all about something they don't completely understand. There, there is a level of perfected worship that's happening whenever you invest your time and your money in the church. They recognize parents when you bend your knee. They recognize when you lift your hands. And then stories come back to me. Brother McGee, they were at home the other day and they were singing such and such. We've had kids in here back in the day whenever there was another drummer and and so on and so forth and Alex used to play the guitar. There were some that were air guitar. Others practicing drums. They're imitating the music they see played. They're imitating the singing. There's even little Asher I heard. Asher Adams, he imitates preaching. Then the other Asher just last night was imitating preaching. Amen. They're doing all these things. Amen. Some even imitate Brad back in the preaching. Glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. All these things that are taking place. Well, all these imitations are youthful forms of worship. Amen. They are imitating what they are admiring. They are imitating what they are admiring. And there's nothing better to admire than the worship and the praise and the adoration and the glory that God's people are sending up to him. I would rather have a kid, amen, that has a microphone than trying to preach than anything else in the world. I'd rather have a kid trying to play a musical instrument because that's what they saw in church more than anything in the world. They are imitating what they are admiring. And it happens at God's house. And it's modeled here. Amen. Samuel is left with Eli. His parents bring him. His parents drop him off. And I I don't mean that the sound is condescending or as as negligent as it may sound. And I'm not endorsing anybody to come by this week and just drop your kid off. We've left our kids a few times here on accident. But Samuel was left with Eli. And the Bible says in the beginning that Samuel ministered. He ministered unto the Lord before Eli the priest on more than one occasion. It says he ministered unto the Lord. Amen. Before Eli. No doubt. There is somewhat of a training and a mentoring that's happening between Eli and between Samuel. He's ministering before, he's ministering to the Lord before 
before Eli. Eli's kind of giving him the ropes and telling him what is proper and what is right and what's correct and what's appropriate and how to go about it. No doubt there's some training and instruction that's happening from Eli. There's different levels of development. Amen. For Samuel. Amen. Going from a younger Samuel to an older Samuel. It comes his his jobs get more intensified. I mean, what could a three-year-old do? No doubt Eli was very inventive and involving Samuel in the work of the Lord and the process of the Lord but as he grew a little older and matured a little bit more he gave him a little more responsibility and allowed him to do a little bit more in-depth stuff in prominent areas of ministry because he's under Eli's inspection he's under Eli's guidance he's perhaps helping him with the duties that are laid out amen at his charge you know just just hold this for me Samuel or just turn the page Samuel or uh, get the scroll Samuel or whatever he could do to involve him in the house of God because Samuel is at an age much younger than what any Levitical priest according to the law would have served in it was usually 30 years old but here is Samuel much younger than all that so you know what you do you give little jobs to little people right if you've ever had kids you know what I'm talking about you don't tell you don't tell them to go out and wash the car you wash the wheel and you allow them to rinse it off. You little jobs to little people. But if you'll do that when they're six, and they'll follow your guidance of starting at the top to clean and work your way down, because it's a horrible thing to clean the bottom and then you get dirt from the top back and where you just clean. If you teach them these things, they'll come an age that you can push the responsibility and duty of what used to be yours and shift it more on them because they've been under your inspection and your guidance. So hold a dish over here, Samuel, or open or close the door over there, Samuel, or go run that errand for me, Samuel. Amen. Even some say that they are allowed to light some of the candles. He said he could do this or do that. We don't know for sure, but the Bible, the Bible labels all of this as ministering unto the Lord under the guidance or before Eli, the high priest. And then it takes this. And it sets it in contrast to Eli's own sons who seem to be presumably older than Samuel. The Bible speaks of his own sons that they're a couple of worthless boys. Sons of Belial, that's the way it describes them. They're worthless boys. They knew not the Lord, not because they didn't have knowledge of him, but because they didn't acknowledge him. They did not acknowledge him and they misused the offerings the Bible said and they took things that were not theirs concerning the offerings and they had a sense of entitlement that if you don't give me what I want then I'm going to take it by force it's in your Bibles amen then I'll take it by force their service unto the Lord wasn't about God it wasn't about the people it was all about themselves that is who they were but when it states all of these horrendous things concerning these boys then it will insert again in the scripture but Samuel ministered before the Lord and it's shown us a, a, a comparison and a contrast here are these worthless boys in the house of God they've been exposed to God but they don't acknowledge God and then we have this other boy that's grown up in the house of God he's been exposed to the things of God and he's wanting to serve the Lord let me tell you every generation every generation will have a group that want to and a group that don't I don't care. I don't care how good your church is. I don't care how many you have. I don't care all the, the plans and committees you have. Every generation are going to have those that want to and those that don't. The Bible says that Samuel ministered before the Lord in 1 Samuel 2.18 and now his duties are advancing a little bit. He was being a child. Look, no, now we have another little indication. Girded with a linen ephod. Samuel is advancing in his duties. At first he ministers unto the Lord before Eli. Now the Bible says he ministers before the Lord. It doesn't say anything 
everything as before Eli. It's like there's been a little bit of a transition. He, 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 he's he's kind of on his own to a certain degree now. He, he's learned well. He's been entrusted some things. He's, he's operating in some things on his own. And now he's girded with a linen ephod like every other priest was that was in the tabernacle. He has a linen ephod on. And the Bible says ministry for Samuel evidently has mutated from an act that used to be done. Now it's part of his identity. I'm wearing the garment that shows this isn't just something I do. This is something that I am. Hallelujah. Someone say amen. He's went from from an activity to a lifestyle. It's more than something he does. It's who he is. He wants to emphasize this. And so he has this linen ephod on, showing him no different from any other priest because this is who I am. Folks, if we'll take our children and dedicate them to God's house and we'll allow them to grow there and be planted there and raise up there, this will become more than just an activity on Sundays and Wednesdays. It will become a lifestyle. It will become who they are. It will become a part of the fabric of their identity. How do we encourage that? I'll tell you how. The Bible says then that his mother, year by year, would make him a little coat. The word used for coat is the same word that is used to describe the robe that the high priest wore. Hannah made him a coat year by year that resembled the robe of the high priest. This is an intelligent mama. I'm going to make sure that you have clothing that resembles the high priest that you've received instruction from and guidance about in the house of God. What, What does this equate to? Think for a moment. We had it in our family. I don't know you had it in yours. But there are several kids throughout their young years that love to dress up. Love to dress up. Our kids had dress-up clothes. I mean, we had like laundry bins full of dress-up clothes. Whenever people came over to our house, everybody could be something else. I'm serious. I wish I'd had some of the old pictures of like the Johnson boys and our kids on bikes in dress-up clothes. Because we got it. And we had Spidey outfits, we had Hulk, we had the princesses, we had Rapunzel, we had Elsa, we had them all. Right? There's just something about it. Kids just love dress-up clothes. And so we would buy them dress-up clothes. And here was what Hannah understood. That she would direct her children toward what she dressed them in. you in this little robe, amen, that resembles the high priest. And in doing so, I'm directing you. Amen. There there are many, again, kids who like to play dress up. There's a whole line of clothing in stores today that's outside of the time of Halloween even. Amen. For kids just to dress up and facilitate them wanting to be like a a princess or like a superhero or, uh, you know, years back in my day was a public servant like a firefighter or an officer. We didn't really have the hero stuff, but you could be a firefighter or an officer, all these things. And when they place, when that child places that Spider-Man outfit on, folks, they start shooting webs. Amen. And they seem to start climbing on furniture. And there's a Spidey. There's a Spidey. It's like, what is that? Oh, I feel feel something going on. My Spidey sense is tingling. All this starts to happen whenever you put that on. You, you, You put on that outfit of Elsa. And honey, the coat just never bothers you. Putting on these, putting on these dress-up clothes, and and you, you put on Rapunzel, and, and you got long hair, and there's power to heal in your hair, and you got a you got a little chameleon called Pascal that is your little pet, you know. Yeah, you put on that that officer outfit, and son, it is cops and robbers, man. We're putting them in the clinker. They've done something wrong. They've sped. They've robbed something. You put that fireman outfit on them, and they're fighting. Fight. They're out there with the hose. Your water bill's twenty dollars extra that month. They're out there fighting fires, and they got their fire truck. And it's all going on. But we get them those things because they feel empowered. 
what that is. And it says, I'm going to put on that boy a robe year by year that's likened to and resembles the high priest's robe because I want him to have a close encounter with God like that man does. I want him to sacrifice. I want him to intercede. I want him to serve. I want him to trim wicks and light lamps. And I want, I want him to spread some incense around Year by year. Because here's the fact of the matter, and we probably got some of these pictures too if I had time. Do you know your child doesn't stay the same size? I got a picture of Trevor just at the beginning of last year and after last year, and he's in front of our garage, and there's a line, and then now his head is like up here above the line. Don't stay the same size. But what that meant was this. Trevor had some spidey suits, folks. That's been through the Battle of Armageddon that hasn't even happened yet. Son, I'm telling you, there were some years he put on some of those suits and like you thought he walked in here with high water pants. Man, they were like neat knickers on him. Spidey done went knicker. And he'd expanded in some areas. Some of the seams were not strong enough to hold that and Spidey's busting out. I mean, Spidey on the left hand, on the right hand, and I was starting to get a sense about it. I'm telling you, Mariah wore some, Mariah wore some, you know, little Elsa dresses and things like that that turned into mini skirts. I mean, it just, she didn't have to twirl. Begin to bust at the seams. But as parents, we get that mo. I want to prolong this time of life for them. So I'm going to go get a new Spidey outfit. Because I want him to be, still be able to sense that he can climb walls. Still want him to be able to sense that he can shoot webs. And so if he grows out of this one, I'm going to get another one. I'm trying to promote and make sure that the outfit, it's going to fit his present physique and where he was in his growth. Amen. Because I didn't, I didn't want it to stop too soon. So I'm going to get him another, another, another spotty outfit and I'm going to get her another Elsa dress. And Trevor has no doubt over time outgrown his Spider-Man, amen, outfit. But I don't want him to outgrow his Spider-Man tendency, see. What are you saying? I'm telling you tonight, I believe Hannah made this a yearly affair. Amen. Because she wanted Samuel to know as her son that's growing up, you'll never get old enough and you'll never mature enough to outgrow the service of the Lord. You'll never get old enough or mature enough to worship. You'll never outgrow praise. You'll never outgrow sacrifice. You'll never outgrow prayer. You'll never outgrow fasting. So yes, I'm going to put that robe on you again that resembles the high priest because I want you to know you'll never outgrow it. I dare to say if I got Trevor a spidey outfit right now, he'd start shooting webs. I don't want him to outgrow ministering in his presence ministering unto the Lord before the Lord. I don't want him to outgrow that. And I got to wrap it up, don't I? I'm just now getting started. In our text, I'm just joking about that, Reese, in case you're getting nervous. When we come to our text, this still yet child or this boy that some historians say may be around 12 years old, but still yet in that age where there is growth and there's maturity that's still going to take place. Again, the first verse tells us that he ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And it tells us some things here about the condition of the times, that the word of God was precious, or the word of God was rare 
in those days. There was no open vision or no open prophecy. And I know it seems like I've stated this concept a thousand times, but it's important to tie Scripture with Scripture, understanding that, again, this is the time. Every man's doing what is right in his own eyes. There is no king. And so this, this word of God becoming rare, and we have Eli that's there, and he's getting old and decrepit. And the Bible says that he didn't restrain his own sons and all of their doings, and, and they're doing some things that are not... Not even you know thought of they're taking things that are not theirs they're misusing the offerings and all these tire- sort of things are taking place the Bible says that they were laying with the women at the, at the, at the gates or at the doors of the sanctuary amen doing all this type of stuff that was going on and so the word of God was rare the word of God was precious can I even present to you tonight that the rarity of the word is because people were not making themselves intimate with the word. You know, the Bible speaks in, 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 in the minor prophets that there will become a day that there will be a famine. There'll be a famine of hearing the word of the Lord. It's not so much that the word of God won't be spoken, but that people won't listen to it. If I say it like this, it'll be a famine by choice. And so the word of the Lord is precious in this day. Because we got two boys of, of Eli that's doing this hideous thing over here. Not, not paying attention to the things that pertain unto the Lord. We have Eli that's in a bit of a decrepit situation. But in and among all these things when it's precious and there's no open prophecies. And the Bible goes on to tell us in chapter number 3 that whenever it came to pass uh, that Eli laid down and that he laid down in his place. And that his eyes waxed dim again telling us that his vision is going. He's an old man. He can't see like he used to see. I know some of you, you know, some of us we can't remember like we used to remember. And... The sight, I understand, starts to go and the hearing starts to go and the sense of taste starts to go. You just go back to an infant. You're bald. You need help. Sometimes you wet yourself. Well, that might have been too much information there. That's not my information. It's not my information. He's an old man. His eyes are dim. He cannot see clearly, the Bible says. And ere the lamp of God went out, or most translations have it that before it went out, it was right at the cusp of it going out because they would light the lamps in the evening and they were to burn all night until the morning hour and then they would be put out or go out for the purpose of trimming the wicks and refreshing the oil for them to burn again. And so the Bible tells us that here is Samuel. He's at the temple. He's at the house of God. And he has laid down here. Whenever I read this, I've read this several different times. I've read it here and I've read it in other places. I've read it. I've read it in the Jewish Amen Bible. I've read it. I've read it here and everywhere. And most translations have it that Samuel, and I'll just read a few versions to you. And Samuel was sleeping on a mat near the sacred chest in the Lord's house that had not been asleep very long. Another version says Samuel lay down in the temple near where the holy box was. Another says that Samuel was sleeping in the temple near the ark. Another says that Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Amen. Whenever I first read these things and read the scripture, I was trying to deduce. Scripture, are you trying to say that Samuel was asleep in the temple where the ark of God was, denoting it from other temples? Are you trying to say that Samuel was sleeping near where the ark of God was? (laughs) Because that changes things. And it, no doubt, if he was in the temple, he's near. No doubt. But he is in a situation. He has grown up his life in the temple. He's been given duties and obligations that he's performed before Eli. And now he does before the Lord because there's been a transference of responsibility to him. And he's dealing right now. With an old priest that can't see. Whew. 
And this old priest that can't see, you got to understand, the Bible said that the fire that's on that lamp is to be continually burning. But it's hard to keep track if the light is lit when you can't see. I mean, Bishop, if it's, if it's the glow on the face, you're missing it. It, maybe it's the heat from it that you might sense that, but you are in a bad shape to be able to attend to a lamp that's supposed to keep burning if you can't see it. I, I give unto you tonight, and, and we read different things because we see later that Samuel will rise and he'll open up the doors to the tabernacle. And even custom and history says that that's one of the things that would happen after they would relight the lamps or after they would turn them off and refresh the oil and all these things. What are you saying tonight? I'm saying Samuel was in a place in the tabernacle and close enough to be called near to the Ark of the Covenant. But in my understanding, also in a position that the high priest that couldn't see it, the man that had been brought up in the tabernacle was in a position he could if the light went out. What are you saying? And you say what you want. But here is Samuel, I believe somewhere close in proximity to the holy place where the lamp was. Eli laid down in his place. But Samuel laid down somewhere in proximity. Amen. Where he could keep an eye on the lamp. And he was not far from the ark of God. And the Bible says it was in that position of where he was. In that night hour, he heard a voice from heaven that said, Samuel, Amen. Samuel's uh, Eli's boys isn't hearing this. Amen. That's not what's taking place. But it's a boy that has been brought up in the house of God. It's a boy that's been exposed to sacrifice. It's a boy that's been taught prayers are answered. It's a boy. It's a boy that's been allowed to function in what he could function, twirl when he was a toddler, so he could twirl when he was a teenager. It was a boy. Amen, that's there. And when God's word was precious, when God's voice was rare, this rare teenage boy heard the rare voice because he was close to the presence of God. I come to preach on this Sunday night. Not every teenager is leaving the church. Not every young person is going belly up. This thing is not gonna die out in the next generation. There are some Samuels that's gonna keep the light going in the evening time. Some would say yes. Why? There'll be a Graceland in generations to come that says if they can't see it, I'm gonna keep my eye on it. The flame's gonna burn. There's gonna be some hashers and abbeys that say if they don't recognize it, that's all right. I've been brought up in this thing. I know how it works. I know how it operates. I know how it functions. It won't go out on my watch. There will be light in the... Let me tell you, parents, what we need to do, we need to promote anything and everything that has to do with the church, with our kids. Take them to the outreach. Take them to the festivities. Take them to prayer night. Take them to Sunday school. Take them, take them, take them, take them. Promote everything because there's going to come a day. Amen. Some of us, amen, we're going to just slip on out. But there's going to be a revelation and a renewal of God's word to a generation that seeks him in a rare form. You'll get a rare word. You'll get a rare revelation. You'll get a rare voice from heaven. It don't come to those that are playing church. It don't come to those that have a spirit of entitlement. It's those that say, what can I do to serve? What can I offer? What can I worship? What can I praise with? What, what, what? And I know sometimes it goes upside down. Right? They have the same experiences and you have sons of Eli and then you have Samuel. But I will say this. You're heightening your probability. You're heightening your probability. Someone say amen.
God in Samuel's generation restored the revelation of his word to the generation that was coming next. To the generation that was coming next. He restored the revelation of his word. To a young man that was eager to hear in the presence of the Lord. Listen, if you think the, the word of the Lord was rare then, it's rare now too. It's precious. But God, give us a generation that's been prepared. A generation that has been groomed. <laughs> Woo! That will realize the lamp's flickering. That means it's about out. We better get some oil. That's producing more smoke than it is flame. It might need some oil. Stand with me tonight. <laughs> you can do what you can do, and you should do what you should do. We should as parents, our instruction in the home. But there's some things that the church has to offer your child and its growth and development. And folks, if we get five toddlers up here and they're twirling and they bump heads or whatever, bless Jesus, just let them twirl. And if you say, Brother McGee, well, that's kind of distracting to me, then you're not focused on the right thing anyway. Because every time I, every time I see Grace and go over here and watch Bishop at the guitar... She's pulling Kleenexes out of the box or she sits down on the altar. Honey, I bless, bless God, I wish I just had some adults that would sit on the altar. I mean, that would be closer than back here. I'm convinced if we allow her to do that now, through her, through her teenage years and preteen years and adulthood, when she's seen people, and another reason why it's important for us to do these things, if she'll see some adults that after a sermon is preached go down on their knees before God and be like, oh God, you know what she's going to do? That's where she's going to be too in days to come. There'll be light in the evening time because we've conditioned a generation to keep the fire burning and we'll equip them with things at ages appropriate to improve on and endorse them and have their involvement in the house of God being a pastor's kid is a rough road they're here when nobody else is here because they got to no one's going to take care of those kids every time that you need They've sat in these aisles and played games while we've counseled people behind closed doors. They've grabbed rags and, and wiped down pews because we were doing it. They've walked all over this city and canvassed it walking on, knocking on doors when they're just little stinks. There's no great, I need to shut up. But there's no greater illustration of all this. And again, we're not putting anybody on a pedestal or a platform here. But I'm just saying the odds are increased. You, you have Brother Alex Mason that comes up here now. And he plays the piano and he plays the drums. And if he could play guitar while he was doing those two things, he'd do it too. And he gets up here and sings. And he doesn't that. You know what that's a product of? You know what that's a product of? Someone said, all the days of your life, you belong to God. All the days of your life. And as a young man, him saying, you know what my dream and aspiration is? Dad and mom, I'd just like to be able to do what you're doing someday. 
You know what that is? Putting a garment on him that resembles. And his spidey senses start going. That guitar when he's like 12 and 13 years old. And don't get me wrong, everybody's not his path. Musically inclined or a vocalist. But you have a path. That I hope is entrenched in sacrifice. And in prayer. And dedication. And service. To the house of God. So that there will be light. Even in the evening time. If we embark our heads all across this place tonight. Parents, we got a mandate today. We have such a a great responsibility of pointing little feet in the right direction. Such a great responsibility. There's going to be the good, the bad, and the ugly. There's going to be stuff that just goes awry, and it's going to turn left rather than right. It's going to happen. But you want to know whenever you've laid your head down at night and whenever your vision has grown dim that you've done everything you could have done. They heard everything they should have heard. They were given all the guidance that they needed to have to find some type of autonomy or some type of place where they can walk this walk and they can function as a member of the house of the Lord. Let there be light even in the evening time. If we bow our heads across this place tonight, this altar is open. And this is just tonight. And if you have any children tonight, I think it would be a great way to end the service for you to bring your kids to the altar with you. I don't care if they're 16 or if they're two. Just bring your kids to the altar with you. What, Brother McGee, you just, I know. They're probably going to climb over your head and get in your pockets, punch you in the side. And though it may seem useless sometimes, there's some guidance that's being offered in the moment. There is a learning that is taking place. There are seeds that are being planted that will never be taken away from them. Somebody this week might need to make, might need to make a new outfit for them. Somebody might need to make a new outfit for them and go on and fan the flames of them wanting to sing and them wanting to play, you know, beat on pans in the kitchen and wanting to preach and holler and scream and dance and baptize their siblings. Go on. Man, let them do it. Fill up a pool and put water in it and let them make it even more real. Let them do it. Let them take Barbie and Ken down in Jesus' name. Let them do it. Because in doing so, we're ensuring that there's going to be light even in the evening time. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.